but hopefully we're going to gain a better understanding of what does it mean, you know, to be tempted? Why does that happen? Uh, what are the different forms that that can take? Because that's kind of sneaky. And then how do you respond when you face temptation? Because you will, probably before we even leave this room. So let's read that text. We're just going to read the first part of uh, the temptation of Jesus. We're going to read the first four verses out of Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, do you know that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit? And it mentions that, the same Holy Spirit that we are commanded to be filled with, filled Jesus. That's, first of all, how he faced temptation. It says, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit uh, in the wilderness, sometimes the wilderness you're in, sometimes that hard, rocky, dusty, dirty place where you are, maybe God let that happen. He let you be in that place, or he might have even led you there because he has a purpose that's bigger than you and will change you in ways that will be significant for the rest of your life. He may have you in the wilderness because he has a deeper, bigger, longer-lasting healing uh, that he's going to achieve from that. Well, he was there for 40 days, and during that time, he was tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry, you think. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, here's an interesting thing. Uh, in this particular passage, the grammatical structure there, if, when you see if at the beginning of the sentence, what he's doing is he's saying, since, since you're the Son of God. But can you hear how he says it? He's mocking Jesus. He's challenging. He's, he's baiting Jesus, but Jesus doesn't take it. He's saying, listen, since, since you're the Son of God, why don't you do this? He's trying to bring that thing out of Jesus' personality that he does in your personality. He says, oh, you can do that. Why don't you you do this? You know that thing in you that says, oh, yeah, I'll show you. I can do it. You know, and, and gets us to step up out of our pride, out of our flesh. But Jesus answered him. Jesus, Jesus didn't take the bait. He said, it is written, man shall not live just by bread alone. The big idea for today is that there is more to life than just meets the eye, or even that satisfies the body. And we live in a culture that is more and more, uh, and more rapidly. I mean, you feel the momentum in, in our society of just live for right now. Just keep your body happy. That's really all that matters. I mean, whether it's uh, food or entertainment, uh, particularly sex, we're just kind of a sex-obsessed, you know, society. The application is this. The next time that you find yourself being tempted, have that moment, pause, and just ask yourself, how can this intensify, deepen, develop, my life in Christ? How can this actually backfire on the enemy and work to my advantage to pull me deeper into Jesus? You know, Jesus faced real temptations. This wasn't a show 
or you know, a, a production. Okay, Jesus, what we're going to do in this scene, you're going to act like you're being tempted, but we know you're really not and that this is, isn't going to affect you. No, he was really tempted. I mean, this, this was a real thing. His response gives us this roadmap so that we know how to cope when we're tempted. In the previous chapter, in Luke 3.22, Jesus was baptized, and he hears these words of God that were spoken over him, you are my beloved son. I hope you hear those words in your spirit. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. And just let that inundate you. Just, just soak that, you know, and, and believe that and lean into that. And after that, he was driven into the desert. Just because you've had a deep experience with the Lord, and sometimes you just feel so close with him, it doesn't mean you're never going to go into the wilderness. It doesn't mean there are going to be times that you think, God, you just feel so far away, and I don't understand because I, I was so close to you, and now you, you seem so distant. Satan comes to tempting, and his temptation has one aim, to destabilize Jesus' identity. And I think that's exactly what he wants to do in you. If he can create a disconnect, an interruption in your relationship in Christ through the Holy Spirit to God, and if he can begin to speak in you that you're less than, that your value, that who you are is not who you are, then half the victory's won. He's just opened up a reason and a way and a justification for any temptation that you might be pulled toward and want to give into. So that's what it's about. Now, there are three specific temptations here, and uh, Satan puts these in front of him. Uh, though they were actually in, in the fourth chapter in the 13th verse said that when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him. So I think these were representative of what he faced, but we don't know. There were probably lots more things, you know, that, that he, he tried. Um, in verse 3 and again in verse 9, he says, if you're the son of God. He just keeps throwing that doubt and that's what he will do. That's what he will do with you. He'll say, now, if you're, if you're a Christian, if God really loved you, why would he do this? If God really loved you, why did that happen? Why should he allow this in your life? How many of us have asked those questions, right? The attack changes, but the goal is the same. To make Jesus question his identity and his worth in God's eyes. Fundamentally, at, at the core level, every temptation that we encounter leads us uh, to question that same thing, that same truth. In verse 2, we learn a couple of things about what Jesus had been going through while he was in the wilderness. Remember, he had been fasting for 40 days, and the devil's been tempting him. So when the devil shows up, Jesus is extremely hungry, and he's physically exhausted. 
How many of you make your very best decisions when you're really hungry and you're really tired? Isn't that when you give in? Isn't that when you look back and think, oh, man, if I had just eaten a Snickers right before that, I don't think I would have given up. I don't think I would have given in to that. But that's, he knows when to come. He knows when you're vulnerable and he knows when you're weak. The human body can only endure so much. And this hunger was just gnawing. I mean, it, it, he was just, it was intense. I got curious about that because I think I've gone three days without any food. And that, that's my record. <laughs> that was my personal best. Jesus went 40 days. And I thought, well, how long can you go? Funny you should ask. The longest recorded starvation was by an Irish hunger striker in 1981 who died after fasting for 73 days. So he went almost twice uh, this length. It's been shown that with, with a supply of vitamins and water, people have been known to survive over a year without actually eating. Isn't that crazy? I found lots of examples of people going a month and people going two months. Uh, because when you first read this, it just sounds incredible, doesn't it? You think, wow, 40, that's a long time to not eat. Would he be able to, to really function? Oh, yeah, lots of, pe- lots of people have done that. But... He's really hungry. He's really weak, very vulnerable at this point. And that's when Satan says to him in verse 3, If you're the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying to Jesus, You've got all this power. What is, is there sin in eating bread? Is there sin in using your messianic power? No. End the suffering. This is ridiculous. This is, this is silly. Just stop. Just eat. Just eat something. Why are you putting yourself through this? It doesn't make any sense. You know, fasting is a spiritual practice that I think many of us have abandoned. And you may have never uh, gone in that direction, you may think, well, I've never done that. But it can really be used by the Holy Spirit in your spiritual formation. When you fast, what you're doing is denying the physical in order to nurture the spiritual. It's an intentional act where you are saying uh, to yourself and, and to God, I'm going to deny myself for this time period. And if we're talking about food, maybe it's for one meal. Maybe it's for a whole day. I'm going to deny myself of what I want because I want you, Lord. I want you more. And I'm going to trust that during this time, this season, maybe it's a half a day or a day. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm going, to, I'm going to just be confident you're going to provide whatever it is that I need uh, during that time. Now, in this temptation... Satan was encouraging Jesus to emphasize the physical over the spiritual. And isn't that your battle? Isn't that your temptation? Uh, He wanted him to downplay the importance of growing in dependence on God and to just enjoy what's available at the moment. And just to get, just you know what, you're okay, you're fine. You don't need to go deeper into Christ. 
You don't need to be. And that was the original temptation in the garden all the way back. And that had to do with food as well. Uh, That's at at the root of a lot of things, I guess, just our physical needs. But all the way back then, you remember when the serpent tempted uh, Eve and said, you know, look, this is good. You can have absolutely everything from miles around you, all the variety in this one thing. But if you eat that one thing, you know, this one thing, then you won't need God. You won't need to be dependent on God. You'll be like a God. You can be independent. Again, that's, that's at that core level. That's one of those layers of temptation where we can be self-sufficient. And I think I can do whatever I want to do because it's, have you ever heard this phrase? Well, it's my body. And it'll have no long-lasting eternal consequences. It won't, have, it won't affect you. It won't affect other people. And I actually, by the way, I'm in Christ, so you know what, what harm can it do? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is more than, than just your body. There is more to life than just your physical being. This is, of course, you, you're, you're, going to, you're going to live. You're going to live on when the body wears out, when the mechanics break down and everything falls apart uh, and, and your body's just done. You will continue on. Because we don't live on just bread alone. True life is found when we delight in the spiritual nutrition. When you allow that that inner man, that inner woman to be nourished in your spirit. I believe that God's created us as trichotomous beings. You know, that we have a body, and that's really obvious, that everybody sees that, and that's how you sense and perceive and, you know, you relate to the world around you. You have a soul. That's where you fall in love. That's where you feel things, you think things. You, you, you have this volition and this will, this, these emotions. And that's where, you know, you, you feel joy or you feel shame. You know, that part of your soul, which is, which is kind of who you are. What a lot of people don't realize is that there's another part of us which is spiritual. That God made us body, soul, and spirit. And that spiritual part of us is dormant. You know, all the way back in the garden when, when human beings did give in to that temptation and said, we don't want to be spiritual. We don't want to have that connection with you. If this is how I relate to the world around me, and this is how I relate to myself and to other people, and if this is how I relate to you, then I don't want that anymore. I just want to be my own person. And God said, the day you make that decision, you will die. But then you see them after they leave the garden. I mean, they're walking, they're working, they're having babies, they're eating, they're doing all these things. And you think, I thought they were going to die. This is where they died. You see, the spiritual part of them just went flatline. And it's not until Christ comes into our life that he reanimates that part of us. He wakes it up. And all of a sudden, he fills us and he comes inside and we're alive again, and we're fully human beings. 
I know it sounds almost insulting to say that until that happens, when you're just body, animals have bodies, souls, animals have souls, that you're like a subhuman, you know, that you're, you're a species that you were never intended to be. And God says, I'm going to wake up all of you, and you are fully alive. And Jesus says, I come to give life and to give it abundantly. And for the first time, we can relate not just to the world around us. We can relate not just to other people and and to my own thoughts and my own feelings, but I can have a relationship with God. And in that relationship, the deeper I go in Him and the more that I perceive and become aware of His presence in me, the more alive I become. And the more dependent on Him I am. And now, after all these years of following Jesus, I think, where would I be without him? How could I go back to being two-thirds of a person? How could I go back to, to life without Christ, just in myself? We do not live by bread alone. True life is found when we've, we connect this nourishment that God has for us in Christ through his word and the body and the blood of Jesus. Fortunately, as we mentioned a moment ago, it says in verse 1, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He was just full. Now, we've been trying since about Christmas to eat a little more healthy, and I'm doing, I'm just going to be just real vulnerable here. We're doing the Weight Watchers. Anybody, have you heard of that? I memorize all the points. Food doesn't just have calories and all that anymore. It has points now, and you learn points. And the first question is, how many points does that have? Well, I went to a a really fun dinner party last night. Everything had points. I mean, there were lots and lots of points, you know. So I just ate, and I hadn't felt like that. And and, and I just thought, wow, this feels really good to feel full. You know that feeling? You know, when you you just eat, and you don't walk away, and you think... I think I'll have another bite. I think I'll eat a little more. I'll eat more. And then you just have that, that satisfied, that full. Some of you are going to have that in, a, in about an hour from now. You're going to be walking out of some restaurant. Or you're going to go to your mama's house. And you're going to think, oh, I'm just so full. Listen, God wants that for you spiritually. You're not just about the body. You don't say, I just fill you up. Have you ever gotten to a place in your relationship with the Lord where you just go, no, 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 I can't, I can't. Not another bite. Oh, Lord, you have filled me with yourself. It's a good, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. So he barely noticed what was going on physically over here. It says he's led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And as grueling as these days were, 40 days, they had a purpose. As awful as some of the seasons you've gone through, and I know there are challenges, and I know there's heartaches, and I know sometimes you just feel so broken and so wounded, and nobody else really knows. You know, nobody else can know the pain that you're feeling and that you know except you. And when you cry into your pillow or where you're just silent or where you put a smile, and some of you, you're so good at just smiling your way through the day, chit-chatting your way through the day, and inside your heart is breaking. Last week, I, I walk every night, and I thought, well, walking's not enough. My dog is 15 years old, and she's getting, you know, we're kind of aging together. 
And there's a field next to this elementary school near my house. And I thought, we just need to run. You know, we need to not walk. We need to run. So we got out in that field, and we just, just kind of ran back and forth. Well, somehow, uh, while I was running, I, I hurt. My foot began to hurt. And so I went home, and, and I thought, wow, this is really hurting. This is really hurting. So I took, took my socks and shoes off, and, and man, this, this middle toe of this foot, I think, is broken. And so I looked at it the next day, and I thought, it, it's broken. And I would mention that. This really hurts, and it's broken. Everybody would go, yeah, well, that's, I'm sorry about your broken toe. And several days went by, and I thought, nobody's given me the sympathy and the care and the attention that I need. I've got a broken toe. But look at me. I'm still showing up, and I'm walking, and I'm, look how courageous I'm being and how I'm battling through this pain. My son texted me, and he said, Mom said you broke your toe. I said, yes, I broke my toe. How, how is it? I just, I just, I said, you know, an ordinary man, a normal man would be on a stretcher right now crying for morphine. But I, I'm living my life, you know. Finally, one day I came in and, and, and so I, I said to Melissa, who's our assistant, the first face you see, I said, listen, here, today I need some attention about this. She's like, well, can I get you some ice? I go, no. But, but thank you. Well, you need some ibuprofen. Yes, I do. I need some ibuprofen. And finally, somebody, you know, was, was kind of stepping up here. And Bo tried to, you know, kind of contribute a lame, you know, like, well, well how's your toe? You know, I thought, nah, you're just patronizing me. But you know what it's like, right? Some of you have had COVID. I had COVID. And, and, and maybe some of you have been sick or you've had the flu or something. And you just think, especially you guys. Right? You've got you soldiers, you warriors, and you got a head cold, you got allergies, and nobody knows. You know, just you know. You know, those things are kind of minor, but those are some big things. And some of you emotionally or spiritually, you're at a you're at a hard place, maybe a dark place. And it's and it's grueling. But it just may be God has a purpose. He has a purpose. God knew that Jesus had to let go of some things and hold on to some things. All through history, you know, these important things have been lost and found. I've been watching this documentary on, I think it's on PBS, about Hemingway. It's about three parts. He was like a miserable guy. I mean, he just wrote some of the most, I'd read several of his novels, and I thought, this guy's a genius. Uh, But did you know that one of the pieces of his early fiction that he had written, he'd completed, but it was still in pencil, but he was ready to do the last copy. His wife packed up all of his papers in a suitcase, and she was coming to see him. She got on a train. Um, she hopped off. She got on a train in Paris. She hopped off to get a bottle of water. And when she got back on the train, the suitcase was, was gone, along with his new novel. It was gone. And none of that work has ever been or ever will be published because it was just lost forever. Maybe there's times you've lost something. You lost a diamond or maybe you lost a friend or you, you know, a relationship was broken and you, you've lost something that was special or something dear to you. So you know what that was like. The challenge in life is to figure out what should be lost 
and what should be found. At the end of these 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus knew exactly what he needed to do. Luke tells us that Jesus ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. And the devil comes to him and he says, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to uh, become a loaf of bread. This was a really tempting pros- proposition for, for Jesus. Since he's so hungry, and he does have the power to transform a piece of rock, how easy would that be? He could have turned the whole field into a bakery. You know, I mean, he just could have created whatever he wanted. It would have been like, you know, Panera on steroids. I mean, he just could have had just everything. And he can think about that delicious bread. But Jesus answers, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. So what's going to be lost is a loaf of bread that could fill his stomach. But what's going to be found is the nourishment he knows that he can only find in the Word of God. At the time of Jesus, they were just like us in so many ways. Uh, You know, what they wanted were bigger barns, uh, I guess fancier chariots. (laughs) If they could afford those, they wanted to store their grain somewhere nice. Uh, they wanted the, the good things. You know, you can read about that in the parable of the, the rich fool in Luke 12, a few chapters later. Today, what do we want? We, we want the latest phone. Uh, we want bigger homes, cooler clothes, uh, faster computers. We want well-equipped cars. Have you ever had a new car and you open it and you, or got into a friend's car and you, a uh, new car smell? Mm, you think, oh, I want a new car. And you start finding things wrong with your car, you know, and you start, again, I'm just picking on guys today, but you go, well, you know, this truck, I can't drive this truck anymore. Look at that. You know, you think, well, how much would it take to fix that? Oh, too much, too much, you know, and and you begin to, we talk ourselves in to consuming more things. But do any of those things, have they ever, can they ever provide lasting satisfaction? I can tell you no, because I've chased that myself. There's nothing sinful about any of those things. There's nothing sinful about it or lots of other stuff that may be, you know, your temptation unless or until it becomes a substitute for your life in Christ, for who you are in Jesus. That's when it becomes difficult. And I think that in that moment when Satan said, this could be yours. You know, Jesus could look at those stones and he thought, you know, because here's what he'll do. He will take your imagination, your sanctified imagination, and turn it for his own purposes. And in your imagination, you will think that one thing looks like another or that one thing actually is another and that that will satisfy you. And so I know in Jesus' imagination, and it's no sin to be tempted, so he has not sinned yet, but he's, he's thinking, wow, that looks, that looks so much like the bread that Mary used to bake. In fact, in my imagination... I can see her pulling that out of the oven. Oh, oh, that's hot. And then that aroma just 
filled that little house. We baked this bread last night, and we've had COVID. I can smell. And when I had come in from walking the dog and I stepped in, I thought, oh. And I asked Kathy, I said, do you smell that? She goes, no, I don't smell that. And I thought, oh, oh, I'm sad for you to miss that. But Jesus could smell that his imagination and your imagination will, will get together with what your desires are. He's so hungry and he could just remember being in that kitchen and just seeing Mary cut that bread and think, oh, I could have that right now. I will. <laughs> oh. You see, some of you imagine that pornography is the same thing as love. Or that it's the same thing that sex is in the way that God created it and intended it to be. That's just that's your imagination and your appetites. I could name a hundred other things, but it's a lie. And you'll never be satisfied. What happens almost always is out of those times where imagination and your desires get together, you begin to feed something that's false in you. And often the end result is an addiction. You're addicted to food. You have a sex addiction. You have a chemical addiction. Maybe it's alcohol or heroin or a hundred other things. And you find that it was a trap. That's our temptation. When we build our self-worth and our gratification around all this junk, all this stuff, and not identify with who we are in Christ. And we've set ourselves up when we give into those temptations. We have set ourselves up for failure. We've set ourselves up for disappointment. Now Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. Of all people who, know, who knows about grace, knows about the new life in Christ, he quotes the Old Testament. He says this, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Those kind of choices are going to nourish us. They're going to give us new life. And it's going to be so much more than a loaf of bread. It's going to be more than a brand new car or uh, the, the shiny new phone, whatever it is. So here's my question. Here's where we're going to land today. What do you need to let go of? And what do you need to hold on to? That's the question. Maybe a temptation that you've already begun to lean into and usually, he doesn't show you the end result. He doesn't say, here's what I want you to do. And you can see down the road, that's where you're going to end up. He never does that. No, what he does, he says, just 
stop by the desk and flirt a little bit and then just move on through the office. No, just take a bite. Just take a Just take a, just, you know, he just gets you on that path. And there's something you're vulnerable to. And there's something you can already see. This is, this, if I keep going. And the lie is, well, I can stop anytime I want. I can just, I'll just quit before I get there. I'm in control of this. You see, yourself, you're, 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 you're independent. And you become dependent on God. And he says, no, let's not wait until we're way down here. And you're flying down the hill. And it's like, here's a good time to hit the brakes. <laughs> You've been there. He says, no. Go ahead and hit the brakes now. What is it you need to let go of? What in your life do you think, you know what, I can see where this is going to take me. I'm just going to let go of that. I'm just going to let go of that. And I'm going to hold on to this instead. It's probably going to be different for all of us in this room. But what is it for you today? What is Holy Spirit speaking to you about right now? College band's here, and I appreciate you folks so much. Uh, I've really enjoyed worshiping with you today. We're going to do one more song, and I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you just to answer that question with the Holy Spirit. And maybe go ahead and just tell him, Lord, by your grace and with your strength, this is what I'm going to let go of today. And this is what I'm going to hold on to. In Jesus' name.